So, hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of Let's Colour. I'm Marianne Schillingford. And I'm Steph King. Thanks for joining us again for another deep dive into the big paint can of colour, decorating and home inspiration with us. You are definitely going to love this episode because we're going to talk about the world's favourite colour and explore some of the magical powers this colour has for helping us feel better in our homes and in our bodies. But before we get our virtual paint brushes out what have you been up to and what have you been inspired by since i saw you last week well uh, to be honest Steph, I'm, i've been a bit grumpy i'm not surprised the weather's rubbish it's getting colder and the days are getting shorter and i've got my vest and my jersey out and i'm going into hibernation and the socks are on today big tug duvets come out and yeah it's just a bit sad when it gets a bit dark but on the plus side it means that you spend a little bit more time at home i've been doing lots of colouring in so painting pictures which you know give myself a chance to um, lots of birds at the moment for some bizarre reason I have no idea I know what is with the birds I don't love the birds I find them quite easy to paint but um, anything exotic on the inspiration front do you know I think I might be coming to this a little bit late Steph because I, I feel that you're probably way ahead of me on this but my two girls have keep on sharing with me these amazing houses on an insta site and a kind of like a online journal called the modern house oh, oh love it oh love i it. honestly it's amazing i spent a whole evening i went down the whole wormhole of insta hey, what are you doing darling nothing work i'm working and i'm just absolutely <laughs> having amazing fun at what people do with their houses but this idea of the modern house sometimes when you say the modern house you imagine this kind of very stark uh very sort of snooty almost um uh, unattainable goal of of you know domestic perfection yeah. but what I seem to like about this is that a lot of the homes that you see are they're normal they're normal houses that people have done extraordinary but very simple elegant things to and the ideas that I've picked up I mean I'm moving things around I'm changing things as a result and trying to be cool for my kids but it's just brilliant so if you've never seen that or you've never come across it definitely check out the modern house it's absolutely beautiful it's on Instagram and it's on Line. Just on the modern house, it's like interior design porn, isn't it? Yes, that's why you look so shifty is. when someone's asking you yeah. what you're doing. When Ted says, "What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Nothing, nothing." nothing. Yeah, just you know, looking at the, just on the Tesco. Looking. Shop. How about you, Steph? Yeah, what have I been doing? I feel you on the hibernation because it has gone so cold, hasn't it? Mm, I just yeah. can't believe we're halfway through October. I know. What, did somebody just turns the lights out? It just, you wake up one minute and go, well, it's, hold on, it's only four. What's happened to summer? <laughs> it's just, it's gone. <laughs> That's it. That was summer and now it's gone, which is sad times, isn't it? But a big news from mm-hmm. Casa King this month. Now that we're in October, it's all about my daughter's birthday. So oh, she'll, be, she'll be seven. <laughs> it's not even like she's oh. going to be a big age, but, you know, in her head. <laughs> extra special Mm. so it's the celebration of the decade that we'll all be talking about and she makes sure that everybody knows (laughs) doesn't matter who they are if we know them she's gonna be ensuring that they write down the date in their diary oh yeah so she's really excited about that Uh, me not so much but hey what have you got planned well it's difficult isn't it because we we can't really do a huge amount on the party front so i have been scouring the Pinterest for indoor sleepover party ideas because sadly no party so instead she's gonna have to cope with me and my mum having a sleepover (laughs) 
Probably in our living room. <laughs> Maybe in a tent. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. It's, yeah. It, that's that's one she'll never forget. I guarantee that. I hope I hope for the right reasons rather than in a therapy <laughs> sort of way. Yes. <laughs> it's going to cost uh, you a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what we're doing at home. It's all about the birthday. And at work, it's super hectic, as you will mm. know, because we yep. have never spent so much time together in the past couple of weeks. I know. Which has been a joy, of course. But yeah, we've been really busy shooting new content for next year. Loads of new and exciting ways to use colour in your home. Tips, tricks, techniques, hacks, all of that good stuff. And of course, I'm in my absolute element doing stuff like that. And it's been really great fun. I'm, I'm sure we'll be thinking about this later when we come into our chat about the colour lookbook area. But a key part of that is making sure that we've got our eye on the trends that are happening, Mm -hmm. you know, the latest must-have colours across the home. Mm -hmm. And so later we're going to be talking about the climbers and some of the ones that are bombing slightly. As nice a way as I can put that. Well, we could talk about this for ages, but actually we should probably start the show, shouldn't we, Steph? (laughs) We should do that before I go down that black hole uh, and forget why we're here. (laughs) So for those of you new to us, this is the part of the show where we take a good look at one special colour that is getting loads of attention at the moment. And we think this colour is quite special. It used to be so rare that only the wealthiest, most important people on the planet could ever afford to have it on their walls. And it's the most familiar colour in nature. And yet until relatively recently in our human history, it proved to be the most difficult to recreate in paints and dyes. And it's still the colour we are surrounded by. It covers two thirds of the world's surface, yet we never seem to get bored of it. Yes, and over 35% of people on the planet right now are wearing one very specific shade of this colour. And I am in fact wearing this colour without realising it. You are. But I won't reveal what it is. In China, it's associated with femininity, but for the rest of the world, it's actually seen as more of a masculine colour. This colour is associated with trust, truth and reliability. And probably most importantly to us in decorating, it is what we call a receding colour, which makes small rooms look bigger. So, can you guess the colour yet? Ah, well, of course, the colour is blue. Blue! Do you know, Steph, you ask me what my favourite colour is and I always say orange. And I would say, I'm going to be honest now. Go on, your secret's safe. I've never really professed to like blue. And yet I was wandering around my flat this morning and everything is blue. My wardrobe doors are blue. My kitchen is blue. My carpet's blue. My this beautiful rug. I've got cushions. Everything is blue. And it is a beautiful colour. It's one that we often overlook though. So... Why is it so popular right now? What's the kind of like, because we're seeing this colour coming back and back and back and back. And so why is it so popular and which shades are really popular? Yeah, I alluded to this earlier that we've been doing a lot of research recently on what people are searching for, how people are using colour in their home. And it does seem like blue is always really popular and we always refer Mm. to it as the world's favourite colour, which is very Mm. true. But recently we've seen some really key trends in people using darker, more moody blues, like those inky tones or navies, you know, those kinds of colours. But also, like a bit more specifically than that, when we've looked at Pinterest trends, we can see people searching for more of the mid-toned blues 
and particularly looking at using them in living room spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, prior to that, we would have associated blue with more of like a bathroom type colour or a colour that you use in a bedroom. But yeah, I found it quite um, interesting that p- more people are searching for blue as a living room accent colour. Mm. I think people get this idea that, well, the impression that blue is cold and it's a cold colour. And I think we've had a revolution in lighting. I mean, warm LED has changed everything. It's been a game changer for cooler colours like greys and greens and blue being the sort of, you know, the king or queen of, of cool colours. But we, when we're talking about colours, we refer to colours that are, you know, warm hints and cool hints. And you can get warm blues which sort of lie a little bit nearer the pinks, sort of have a little pinky tinge in them, sort of pinks and reds. And then the cool blues, which lie closer to the sort of greens. And these colours, um, when you put a warm blue in a north-facing room that doesn't have much light, so it's got cold light, it really does warm it up. But then you can put a cool blue in a south-facing room and it just creates this gorgeous tranquility. It's just beautiful tranquility. I mean, When I say warm blues, let me describe a lovely blue to you. Mm. So imagine diving into the sea, not in Norfolk, but in the on a really hot sunny day. So that beautiful sort of clear summer skies, clear blue waters blue. And that when we see those kind of blues, we immediately think warmth. We don't think cool. And yet when you add grey to blue, we sort of think more of a winter's day. We think of something quite chilly. We think of something slightly Nordic, something more restrained in a sense, but maybe slightly more tranquil. That's what cool blue does to a room. Is it a safe colour, Steph? I think this is the reason why people gravitate towards blue Mm. because it's not obviously like a grey and it's not a white. It's a colour that people feel really safe with. And I, I wonder if blue does have that element of kind of safety. And I wonder if because people are feeling the way that they are with everything kind of going on in the world over the past few years that, you know, people want to be using a colour, but don't really want to be doing it so much that it puts them outside of like a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And therefore blue is the perfect candidate because it is that like brilliant all-rounder. And it connects us with nature on another level. So it's rather than green that does this biophilic thing, but this connects us with the sky and the sea and water and it's the element. I mean, we were frogs at one point, weren't we, uh, Steph? I think we came from the sea. So So it's in our genes to love this colour that used to be, you know, home for us. So I I think it's a colour that doesn't challenge us and it's familiar. And I think in times of uncertainty, we need familiar things to make us feel safe and happy yeah that's exactly it what would you team blue with so rather than having kind of like big swathes of blue or having all of the walls in blue how can we enter the blue territory without going full metal blue (laughs) full metal blue i like that (laughs) i think it's a really diverse color to use actually just because it has some really good qualities about it as i said it's i think it's like a brilliant all-rounder so if you were thinking of certain rooms that you would want to use blue in I think they could work in any room around the house, actually, depending on what kind of feeling you want to create. And therefore, you'd go for a warm versus a cool kind of blue. And I think the other really good thing around blue is that it does have this universal appeal as well between men and women. So, like, we always think that pink is, you know, a feminine colour. Although, you know, we've talked a bit about this as well. Not anymore, exactly. Where, you know, with a bit more of a grey undertone, it's becoming a little bit more masculine. But yeah, blue, I think, has just actually been one of those colours that is quite universally relevant. Mm. So I think the colours that would work well with blue, like for me, are definitely other blues, actually. So I think you can mm. make some really beautiful 
like what we would call tonal schemes, which are mm. using um, blue, but then kind of shades of blue that are darker and also kind of tints and tones of blue that are lighter and have like lots of different kind of blues working together. I think that would be really beautiful. And I think probably reminds people a bit of, you know, the way that blue is in nature a little bit. You know, there's always lots of blue in the sky, isn't there? It's never just one colour. Yeah, the gradation of the deep down to the light, you know, so you look high, the higher up it is, the darker it looks, and then it just really drops to that misty horizon. I think that you can recreate that in, in your home across different elements of the exactly. room, from the from the walls across your furniture and furnishings. I always think that those tonal, what do we call them? Tone on tone. Tone on That's tone. That's the thing, yeah, isn't it? Tone on tone. That always works. One of my favourite combinations of blue and another colour is blue and orange. <gasps> These Me are the colours that lie opposite each other on the color wheel and yet they are the best friends and when i mean orange i don't mean you don't have to be obvious with orange though a big orange cushion on a beautiful blue well it could be tangerine but you could be wearing a nice pair of tights on a blue sofa in tangerine and you would look amazing but i'm thinking more of so if you imagine warm woods warm sort of gingery woods or leather uh, teamed with a beautiful blue wall so that kind of like warmer hints of of, of orange and copper and they really make the blue sing they really kind of like they they balance the coolness and give it this amazing energy that on its own it doesn't tend to have so what are your favorite combinations in terms of neutrals maybe that was going to be one of my other suggestions for blue i think because i am always a fan of warm colors i really like Mm -hmm. jewel tones i really like my emerald glade as we talked about i like my kind of garnet colors and i really like dark blue but i'm always as we spoke about conscious that i don't want it to feel cold so a great way of counteracting that is to use it with more warm neutrals. So something like we talked about Brave Ground last week, that would be a great colour to use with blue. Mm. And, you know, all those just warmer kind of off-white shades, just something to give it that kind of cosy feeling. Um, And then teaming it with lots of those um, like warmer feeling materials, like, you know, lovely um, kind of tactile materials or like warm woods, like you just suggested, that would all add to this sense of cosiness that I think, you know, blue sometimes is lacking. And of course, I can't, I can't have an episode of the podcast where I don't mention pink because obviously (laughs) I think that blue looks fantastic with pink Um, because what doesn't look great with pink? Um, But seriously, I, I do actually think that blue and and pink go really, really well together. You'd almost describe it as a neutral. We know that green is a neutral. Green green works with everything. But when we started to explore palettes more recently, and blue has been, has been a real kind of star player, and it does seem to be one of those colours that you can actually put with everything. You have to be considerate of the tone and the kind of like the, the intensity of the colours when they're put together because you can have a really strong blue with a very soft something else. But if you get it right, it, it is hugely versatile yeah i i completely agree i think and that's why i think it's a great color if you have a, a busy house where everyone has an opinion um and you need to satisfy everybody blue is often a great place to start and one of the other things that i really love about blue that um i think we should talk some more about um is actually it's got great power and i think mm. the, the the best thing about it is that it has a real potential to kind of affect your 
mental and your physical well-being, doesn't it? And and I know you've been doing a really, really interesting project that I want to know much more about that involves blues and greens and how it can actually help people with migraines. So tell us more about that. I was so excited to work on this project. I'm still excited to work on this project. I don't know if you know this, Steph, but there's a long-established relationship between visual stimuli and migraine. And researchers report that particular coloured lenses and light can be used to lower the discomfort associated with migraine. So in the light of this knowledge, a partnership was formed between TV UK and the National Migraine Centre to create and carry out a survey to find out if people with migraine have particular preferences for colours in their homes. And for people with chronic migraine, creating this soothing environment is absolutely essential for self-care. It's because it's at home where they suffer and recover from the majority of their migraine attacks. So this online survey took place over 17 days in March 2020, and we had 1,216 people taking part in that survey, and they were all sourced from the National Migraine Centre's database. So these are people who suffer with migraine. And the results showed that there was a strong preference for certain colours, and these colours are the soft, muted colours that we're familiar with every day, these soft, muted greys, green greys, greens, teals and blues. Amazing colours that we know calm things down, but what a wonderful idea that it can actually help people who are suffering. Steph, do you suffer from migraine? Yeah, I did used to actually. Before I had children, I used to go through, I think it was probably all kind of hormone related, but I used to get them every month and there Mm. used to be at least two days where I'd be in bed, Mm. eyes closed, lights off, it's just really debilitating, actually. So this is a really important piece of work. It is. So can you imagine, you know, that colour is something that helps us on a physical level. And and it, one in seven people, I understand, one in seven people in the world suffer from migraines. So this oh. idea of working on something that will enhance the positive powers of colour is just so exciting. So... Uh, 1,216 people took part in this survey. It was absolutely incredible. 89% of those people were women. So that's Mm -hmm. quite interesting because I think it's predominantly women who suffer from migraines. And the results of the study were incredible. So the results of the study were basically beautiful, cool, nature-inspired colours like soft greys, greens and blues were the colours that did not trigger migraine. Mm. They were the migraine-friendly colours. I gave you a palette of the colours, Steph. Explain what they are because they're lovely, aren't they? They are. I'd, I'd not actually seen this. I haven't been directly involved in this piece of work. But as you say, as a migraine sufferer, I can completely see having this palette in front of me, the kind of effect that it would would have. So um, if I do a uh, an interpretation for our listeners of mm-hmm. what the uh, colours are in the palette. <laughs> so we've got some lovely like soft grey colours. We've got like polished pebble in there, which mm. is a which is a favourite. Um, mm-hmm. Shell stories, another really beautiful grey We've got our lovely greens, Tranquil Dawn in there. So even just that name, I think, you know, really kind of conjures up what um, this palette is all about. Um, and then some beautiful blues, which, of course, is very topical for today's episode. So um, nothing cr- like crazy in terms of saturation, but there are some really lovely light blues, kind of fresh and clean, I would say, in terms of the way mm. that they look. And I feel calmer looking at it. 
Yeah, they're lovely. Did you know that, I mean, uh, Martha, nobody knows Martha at the moment, but you are all going to know Martha now. Martha, Martha, in uh, she heads up our uh, commercial colour team and she does commercial colour skin. She is the kind of like queen of colour in the commercial team. And she suffers terribly from migraines, terribly. And when she's looking at the screen and she sees those yellows and, and oranges, it, it must be awful. It must be awful for her. And and she's she's helped on this project as well. And, and she's really fed into it. And um, I mean, 68% of people chose grey, 68 greys and these beautiful soft blues and greens. And it was an overwhelming response. Um, so anyway, what a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's an absolutely wonderful thing. And what are the, what's the next stage of this project then? So we've got this colour palette and we, I guess, are keen to launch it and see if it makes a difference. What we'll do is we'll do some field trials as well. So we've got the, the study. So we're going to um, decorate some homes. We're going to ask some migraine sufferers to decorate their homes and tell us how they feel in their homes. And we're going to do a longer term study. Um, but this is a great start, isn't it? It's a great start to show mm. that the, what power colour has to make life better. So on that note, on that note, this is a very neat segue into the part of the show (laughs) where we get to talk to a real life expert about the power of colour and the power that it has to make our lives better. Yes, this special guest works with migraine sufferers and she knows a thing or two about how migraines are triggered and what we can do to prevent them and alleviate the pain. So Steph, let's chat to a real doctor. I thought you were a real doctor. I am a real doctor, but I'm not as real as Dr. Katie Munro. Katie, tell us about your role. What's your title and your area of specialism? My background is a general practitioner, but uh, several years ago now, I decided that I would uh, specialise more in headaches. And so I joined the National Migraine Centre as a headache specialist GP uh, and so that's my area of expertise now and that's all I do because I find it very rewarding to work in that way. A question I've been dying to ask is how many people suffer from migraine? How common is it? Well it's incredibly common, it's much more common than people realise. It's about one in seven people Um, and it's three times as many women as men. So one in seven people globally have migraine. Quite a lot of them have not realised they've got migraine or or either because they haven't asked anybody and they've just Mm -hmm. put up with it or because they've asked uh, somebody and and been diagnosed with tension-type headaches. So we have a lot of people who think they've got tension headache, but in fact they've got migraine, and there's uh, various um, different questions that we ask to try and kind of elucidate the history, which gives us the clues as to whether it is migraine. Wow. And how many people do you do you treat at the migraine centre? Well, it's increasing all the time, actually, especially since the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a, a team of doctors, most of whom work part-time. Um, so they might just do one day a week and then the rest of the time they're working in their um, general practice jobs or consultant neurology jobs. So it varies. What we've noticed is that uh, the number of patients coming to us for help has really increased since the lockdown because we can do virtual consultations so we can do video consultations and or telephone consultations and so we actually are our area of 
um, gathering patients is anywhere in the UK. And of course, with the lockdown and people not being able to go to their NHS clinics, mm-hmm. quite a number of them have come via us. So we have quite a waiting list uh, at the moment, which we're working on by employing some new doctors, luckily enough. <laughs> um, but yes, we, uh, we, we're busy. We what we do is we have a much longer time to talk to patients, which is lovely. So whereas a GP might have a 10-minute appointment uh, for a new patient, we have a 40-minute appointment. And quite often I have to say I overrun on that as well um, because <laughs> the, the whole point of people coming to see us is to have a personalised plan that mm. they can sort of really tell us what what their triggers are, what how they're impacted by their migraine, uh, and then we can work out the best way for them because it's so variable from person to person. What kind of scale of migraines will you be seeing? What do, you know, what does it actually do to us? So it's basically migraine is um, a condition which is a genetic neurological condition. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of it is, is caused by the genes you've inherited. But what the genes do is that they make your brain always a little bit more easily irritated by changes. And that could be changes in your internal environment, so hormones, blood sugar levels, stress, etc. Or it might be changes in the external environment, like stuffy rooms, glaring lights, getting overly heated, or water, things like that. So, um, so what happens then is that the brain becomes more and more irritated as these things add together, and it starts to produce pain neurochemicals, uh, which are the chemical messengers that start pathway of irritation rolling out across the brain and this is a a thing called cortical spreading depression Mm -hmm. which is a a fancy way of saying that electrical changes on the cell on the cells of your brain make a, a sort of flowing wave of changes going out over the surface of the brain it depends where that goes as to where your symptoms are felt so some people might find that they're getting symptoms of visual disturbances. Other people might get symptoms of tingling in their arm or their leg. Some people get very tricky word-finding difficulties or sometimes even slurring. It also can affect the vagus nerve, which goes to your stomach. Mm -hmm. So that affects your stomach emptying. So a lot of the symptoms that that certainly children and some adults have are to do with the gut. So Mm -hmm. they get queasy or they get tummy pain. Some people get very intense vomiting. So the problem with migraine is a lot of people think it's just a headache. And so we are very keen to tell people that it's not just a headache. First of all, you can have symptoms in the day before you get the headache. Then you can have the headache rolling on for two or three days. And then you can have what we call the post-dromal or after headache phase, which is like a bit like sort of being run over with a steamroll. People still feeling really grotty, but their headache's gone away. And then there's also, of course, some people who get no actual headache, but they get really severe dizziness. Mm-hmm. So there are different ways that affect affects the brain, but the impact can be, you know, over quite a number of days. And if you're getting two or three of those a month, then there's not very many days when you're feeling great. Mm. We have a colleague at work who heads up the, the commercial colour team and she suffers from migraine. And doing this study on the, the triggers of migraine, and I'd, I'd like to know more about the triggers of migraine, but, but the trigger being colour 
it's no wonder yeah. Martha gets terrible migraines because she's looking at saturated colours all day long and the, and the poor kid, she really does suffer. Yeah. And this study, if it directly helps her, that's yeah. wonderful because we can then protect her from the thing that, that she loves more than anything, yeah. but actually that, that makes it easier for her. So if we could talk a little bit about the, those triggers and in particular, where did you first hear about or sort of see this this connection with, with certain colours triggering migraine? Well, I think we've known for quite a time that there were certain lenses that mm-hmm. filter out wavelengths of light uh, that seem to help people with migraines. And I think people with migraine are often very visually sensitive all the time, even if they haven't got a migraine attack. But this, because this genetic programming means that, you know, it, it's occurring all the time, uh, it may be that they, they knew that they, oh, I just can't look at those sort of that glaring light or mm-hmm. headlights coming towards me is horrible or the sun coming through the trees, especially this time of year when it's uh, autumn and the mm-hmm. sun is quite low, you know, they say, oh, I've got, to, I've got to wear my sunglasses because otherwise I, I don't feel good. So there's been that knowledge for ages and there are a number of uh, companies that make special migraine um tinted lenses um, there's also a company who's recently looked at making a coating for ordinary spectacles um, which is at a specific wavelength um, but the other thing we've noticed um, and has had a bit of research on it is that people with migraine are often sensitive to patterns so the contrast between dark and light both a typical thing might be Venetian blinds. Um, if your colleague is looking at a vivid patch of colour mm-hmm. and then next to it is a is a much darker surrounding, that would be more triggering than even the colour itself, probably. Um, and things like spots and zigzags, uh, stripes, all of those kind of things mm-hmm. um, are sensitive. So sensitivity is one of the key things that we ask patients about. Are you sensitive to light, sound, movement, touch, or smells? And all of those things can be a nuisance for people mm. who have migraine. Not, not everybody gets all of them. Um, but the light sensitivity and colour sensitivity, I think, is a strong one. What was really interesting to me was the results of the study showed that less saturated colours, colours with a longer wavelength and colours that had more grey were more muted, were the colours that, well, instantly make everybody feel calm. What do you think to this migraine-friendly palette of colours and how do you think it's going to help them? I think it's really useful to um, to know that that is what people's preferred colours are. Mm. I think, you know, I think some of the comments we saw from the survey were saying, you know, I was about to redecorate my bedroom in, in really bright, you know, cheery tones, and yeah. I don't think I'm going to do that now. This is really interesting. And I think, you know, having the understanding about keeping the brain nice and calm. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we're always saying about, you know, go and connect with nature. Well, the colours of nature are green and blue, aren't they, basically? Yeah. After what I read your survey results, I went to look around my own house and thought, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, that's what I've decorated with my... Instinctively, I like those kind of colours personally because I'm a migraine sufferer myself. I think, it, yes, I think it will be some, certainly another consideration for people with migraine, you know, um, 
to have a range of colours that, that they know is going to be gentle on their brain is really helpful. One of the best bits of advice I was ever given by a doctor was to own what was wrong with me. And when I initially heard this, this bit of advice, I thought, well, I, I, I don't know what to do. But actually, you do know how, once you know what you're supposed to do and what you should avoid and what you should embrace and, and, and when to take something, then you are empowered do you know i'm so proud of this survey and this lovely collaboration we've been doing and i and i'm also thrilled to be speaking to a real doctor because you know because i am only dr dulux i only i only prescribe medicines for decorating you know but doctor to doctor uh, i I'd, I'd really like to thank you um for your um, input into this amazing survey you're very very welcome yes it's been very interesting anything that raises awareness about migraines well you know the more people understand it then the more help they can get so uh, yeah it's lovely we've been thrilled to be part of it thank you for including no, yeah. oh, no, wonderful. And I'm going to ask you one last question. What is your favourite colour? Oh, green, definitely. It's always been green for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of aqua green, sort of tending to blue. So. Oh, yeah, warm, yeah. warm water. <laughs> oh, Dr. Katie, thank you so much for talking to us. That's absolutely wonderful. You're very welcome. That was really fascinating. I loved hearing from Katie. I know. I'm so proud that the job that we do may have a positive effect on people's health and well-being and make their hand beautiful all at the same time. Absolutely. But we do have to move on to the next part of the show. Mm -hmm. So we move on to one of my favourite parts of the podcast where we ask our very own real doctor of decorating, <laughs> Marianne, to prescribe the perfect remedy for your DIY dilemmas and offer a sympathetic ear to your worst decorating disasters. So, Marianne, are you mm -hmm. ready for today's decorating dilemmas? I am so ready. So our first question is from Catherine in Poole, who is asking us about paint to use after having a room recently replastered. Over to Hi Catherine. Hi Steph and Marianne. I was just wondering if you could tell me what sort of paint I need to use over newly plastered walls. Thanks. This is a really great question because you can really mess up decorating, get it wrong right from the start if you don't do this. So basically, use some simple emulsion to seal the plaster before you put your expensive paint on. So you could use some cheap, simple uh, white emulsion. And what I would do, thin that down with water and put that on with a big roller, and that will soak into the plaster and seal the plaster, allowing you to put the more expensive paint on top. If you don't do this and just go on with some expensive paint to start off with, it won't allow the plaster to dry out properly. It'll probably crack uh, and it'll probably peel off. And this is a problem that we see a lot of, and it's just simply because the plaster wasn't sealed properly right at the beginning. So I would then suggest if you can cope with this, leave it for six months. Let that plaster really dry out before you put on a really, really good paint like Easy Care or a beautiful emulsion paint on top of that. So it's all about being patient, letting the plaster dry out, sealing it before you put on subsequent coats and not using really, really expensive paint right at the get-go. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because you've got mm. a project, you want to get that colour on and start living your life but 
it's really, really important that you just put on that watered down coat to seal it and then follow up with something like a contract mat or something like a vinyl mat. Yeah. Um, and you can talk to your local decorators merchant or, um, you know, in any DIY store um, for advice on this. But it's really important that you use that and not the kind of fancier, if you like, versions of paint that sort of do all the bells and whistles, you know, like durability because they're so thick and they have so much binder in them that the water can't escape and that's where we start to run into problems. It's a great thing you've just said actually Steph is this wonderful advice you can get from a decorator's merchants. So decorator's merchants are really good at giving advice. You can always give them a ring, you can tell them about your problem. It's in in a sense if you're going into a busy DIY shop and you can't ask somebody those questions. Yeah. Go to your local Dulux Decorator Centre. I mean, they are so amazing at answering questions. Yeah. So, Steph, where's the next question? Have you got another one for me? So, this is a great question and one that applies to all of us, whether we are decorating or not. This question has been sent on email and it's from Jenny and she is from Norwich. She says, Hi, Marianne and Steph. I have a question for Dr Dulux about how to plan my lighting and making it work with the colours in my lounge, come dining, come play area. We are a busy family and have a large open plan space that has to serve us all throughout the day. It's full of storage with with toys during the day, but also has to function as a dining space or an entertaining space, in brackets, when we are in fact blessed with a social life. Jenny, I hear you. (laughs) And of course, a place to relax in the evening whilst watching TV. The living room end is self-facing, so it's lovely and sunny, but I'm really struggling with the artificial lighting to give us the perfect ambience in the evenings. I only have two ceiling lights and that's it. So basically the ambience is non-existent. Please help and give me some ideas. That sounds, with two ceiling lights, it sounds like the um, ambience in a doctor's surgery, to be entirely honest. Mm, not not exactly the romantic setting, I'm sure. I, I love this these questions about light because actually colour is just visible wavelengths of light. The light just affects everything, so you have to get the lighting right. It's really important. No matter what colour you choose to put on those walls, the lighting has to be right. And two overhead pendants will just cast light, they'll scatter light everywhere, and it just, they're, they're brilliant for doing the vacuuming and the cleaning but terrible for sitting and relaxing and doing anything else so it's kind of task lighting really more than anything else so I would suggest getting layered lighting or sort of installing layered lighting you don't have to get an electrician in to do this I've done this in my own house and basically I run all of my floor lamps and table lamps and actually some hidden lamps as well So hidden strip lighting, I run it all off these smart plug-in sockets that I control from my phone. And so at the flick of my phone, I can just press a little button and different layers of lighting come on to create a lovely mood in the evening. I've got warm LED lighting light bulbs in here to save energy and also to give that lovely glow of light. And I can switch the lights on and off according to where I want to sit and how I want to feel. And so I don't actually, in my house, unless I'm doing anything like cleaning up or you know, want to find my keys. You know, I don't tend to turn those big lights on. I I rarely turn them on now. I just control everything from my phone. But you know, it drives my husband crazy because I am addicted to lights. You know, I just like, and Ikea do these amazing little strip lights, little strip LED lights, and I put them behind cupboards and underneath shelves. That's a great Um, idea. Yeah, and then you just flick them on. And I I have these, we have these, I have these lighting mood scenarios. 
So I've named them on my phone. Betty Buys is one of them. Oh, of course. That's my favourite. Yes, Yes. Intimate Evening Soiree is another. (laughs) (laughs) Reading is another. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. TV dinner, another. So each that's kind of like lights over different areas will come on when I just switch them on. And I think that's the key to creating a space that, that makes you feel really good and makes the most of colour. And you have a great little tip about colour in light. And, and you were going to tell me that. You said earlier, don't forget the... But you don't forget do the stuff. tester. Don't, don't forget, forget your tester. tester. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, really key mm-hmm. because we've talked a lot about light and that applies, as we said, to everybody, regardless of whether you're redecorating. But if you are looking to use a lighting scheme with a colour, particularly a new colour, mm. my my ask of everybody to avoid the headache <laughs> and to avoid appearing on our show in the Nurse confessional Stephanie slot says. Um, mm. is to use a tester. And mm. my other top tip is don't just put the tester on one patch on the wall. You know, use it in the room that you're going to be decorating in and use it in a few different places because, you know, that that downward ceiling light is going to make the colour look completely different to an uplighter that will make it look completely different to like a task light that you've got. Um, and the best way to do this without having loads of patches on your walls that you have to live with for months, if you're anything like me, is to put it on a piece of lining paper and move it around the room to make sure that you are completely happy with that colour before you go ahead and and really paint it. Because various light bulbs really do make the colour look different, don't they, Marianne? Absolutely, absolutely. So, the Dr. Dulux surgery isn't just here to help with your decorating problems. We also offer a counselling service for your worst decorating disasters. So, we are talking about pets, sitting in your paint tray and perhaps five litres of pink emulsion going on your new sofa, that kind of stuff. The stuff you never want to admit, but everybody wants to know. There's no shame in sharing your decorating disasters. We feel your pain and a secret shared with us will never leave this podcast. So we got a call from one of our listeners and here is what they had to say. So my decorating disaster happened when I had to return radiator paint because my mother-in-law thought it was the wrong colour. I was actually really happy to drive because I wanted to use my brand spanking new car, but I had to slam on the brakes and the lid of the paint flew off and it went everywhere. So RIP, my favourite car, and uh, it's safe to say I didn't get a refund on that paint. Honestly, for that decorating disaster, I prescribe an expensive takeaway with a pudding and at least a month off domestic maintenance of any kind. Definitely get the pudding. It's definitely worth it for that. So I've got bad news. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of the show. Oh. Anyway, what have we got coming up in the next show, Steph? Well, we will be looking at a colour that is suffering a little bit at the moment, possibly in need of a bit of TLC from us Brits. Oh, well, obviously, I love all colours just the same, just like babies. They are all equal to me. Well, of course you do. You love all the (laughs) colours. But it seems this one in particular is in need of a little bit of love, which is ironic Mm. considering the colour is associated with happiness, feeling uplifted, optimism, and is also known to have a stimulating effect on the nervous system as well as promoting creativity. Ooh, I can't wait for that. But we can't leave you without a bit of feel-good colour to keep us going till next time. So here's one of the participants from the recent migraine study talking about how colour affects her. Hi, my name's Imogen and I took part in the National Migraine Trust colour survey. 
Imogen, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for talking to us on the Let's Colour podcast. I was dying to talk to somebody who actually took part in this survey to get their response on, on, on what that was like. I mean, when you were approached to do a survey on colour and migraine trigger, what, what made you take part in that survey? Was it something that resonated with you? I saw a doctor a few years ago at the National Migraine Centre and then I sort of kept up to date with their newsletters and whatnot and when they sent me the survey I just thought it'd be quite interesting because I suffer with hemiplegic migraine so I just thought it was quite an interesting thing because I um, I do quite a lot of painting and it never really occurred to me that colours may affect or I might perceive colours in a different way to other people or they may affect my migraine. Which were the colours that made you feel made you feel sick? They were quite bright coloured. I mean, one of them was a bright orange, but the brighter they got, the more nauseous they made me feel. Amazing. Having taken part in this study, the, the results were incredible. So um, these softer, warm greys, paler greys were the most popular for, for not triggering migraines. And then it went into these beautiful, soft, muted greens, pale greens and pale blues. Yeah. So knowing that, that these were the colours that you know, over a thousand people responded to this survey, knowing that that was the majority response, do you think that will affect the way you decorate your your, your space? Yeah, 100%, because both my partner and I suffer from them. He gets them much more, he gets non-hemiplegic, but he gets them much more regularly than I do. And yeah, it would definitely affect how, how I decorate. Obviously, even it was just to make it more bearable when we actually have a migraine. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. In fact, interestingly, we're not living together at the moment because of COVID, but I decorated his flat and weirdly now you've said that I did it in greys and sort of muted teals blues all the way through it's obviously a subconscious thing that I did that's wonderful but, um, I must be drawn to that kind of colour probably because I find it well less nauseating I guess had you thought about it before was it something quite new to you to think about how colour and triggers migraine was it something quite new yeah no i've never thought about it before i tend to have maybe one or two a year now so they're much less than when i was younger um and i actually had one a few weeks ago and i didn't think about the study but i did think when i was in bed that i just felt more relaxed which i don't think is just to do with being in the bedroom i think the colors i've clearly chosen a color combination that makes me feel relaxed in the bed in my bedroom because and now, now that I've experienced a migraine since that survey and I've had time to reflect on it, I don't think it's a coincidence <laughs> that I chose those colours. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Imogen, it's been really lovely talking to you. Thank you for giving us your time and thank you for giving us your insight into something that you suffer. And I hope that colour will alleviate your symptoms in the future. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? A true, literal representation of feel-good colour. I know, what a great note to end on though. But sadly, we are at the end. And it's a bit like that part of the night when you're in a club. I mean, do they even call them clubs anymore? Like, who knows? Like, whatever the kids call clubs. They're probably the gym. Um, you know, and they switch the lights on really, really high to make you get out really quickly. So it, I'm getting that kind of vibe from our producers here. We're being given the you've talked for too long signs. Yes, they are, Steph. We'd best be off. Turn off the lights when you go. We've had great fun, though, and we're really looking forward to speaking with you, our colourful decorating community, in a few weeks' time for our last episode of the series. If you have a decor dilemma for Dr Dulux or feel you need to confess a questionable colour choice to get it off your chest, then get in touch, as we'd love to help. 
pop us an email or send us a voice note to askdrdulux at axonobel.com. That's A-K-Z-O-N-O-B-E-L.com. Oh, last thing, we would really appreciate it if you could take a short minute to just rate and review the show. Absolutely, because if you love colour as much as we love colour, we want to keep doing this. And we're new at this, aren't we, Steph? Absolutely, and your support really does mean everything to us. So thank you for listening and do take that short moment. So sadly from us, that's bye-bye. Bye-bye.